Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to Episode 61, The Kingdom of Heaven, Part 1. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hello and welcome again to Bible Mysteries Podcast, the only show that asks the question, are you ready to take the red pill? As always. Zena is ready. How about you? <laughs> I'm here with the Warrior Princess and we're going to do another episode today. This will be our episode 61. Wowzers. And we're going to get into something that I bet you're going to have some experience with the term because uh, I think if I recall correctly, Jehovah's Witnesses used to, or still do, hand out a pamphlet called, what is it called? The Watchtower? The Watchtower. That's mm-hmm. right. Okay. And I can remember getting those over the years, and they used to go door to door. They still do. They still do? Okay. And I remember that um, in a few instances, they would show their vision of the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And it was usually people uh, growing fruits and vegetables yes. around the animals mm-hmm. and everything like that. And, and that's the one thing I always believe that they got more accurate than most of traditional yeah. Christianity because they saw the kingdom of heaven as actually being on the earth instead of just this abstract, weird, ethereal yeah. thing. And they were right. <laughs> they were right about that. <laughs> so they, they actually got that from the scriptures. But we're going to look at the kingdom of heaven today. And I think we're going to do two parts on this because Ooh. there's, a, there's a, so much to cover. I knew I couldn't squeeze it all in into one, <laughs> into one thing. So we'll begin. And uh, we're going to start in the scriptures in Matthew chapter 4. The term the kingdom of heaven is only used in the Bible in the book of Matthew. Why is that? Everywhere else, it's called the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And they intersect, but there's a distinction. So the, the question, why is that, is a really good one. Because the book of Matthew presents a distinctly Jewish message. Whereas it's the same account of Christ's life in Luke and John and Mark. But Matthew presents him as the king of Israel. Okay. And John presents him as God in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Mark presents him as the suffering servant, you know. And Luke presents him, uh, I forget the aspect they, they, they give of that, but it's almost a Gentile perspective. Okay. Okay. So I would say the reason why on the, on the surface the easy answer is because it's the Jewish perspective of Jesus in Matthew. But there's something about the term that we're going to explore, and we're going to find out why it is called the kingdom of heaven. Okay. So we're going to delve into that. So we'll start in the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. After he spent the time in the wilderness being tempted, and after he got baptized by John the Baptist, in Matthew 4, verse 17, it says, 
From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So if somebody, I know it's kind of older English, but if somebody said to you, uh, Christmas is at hand, what would that mean to you? Uh, Christmas is near, Christmas is here. Yeah, that's what I get. Okay. It's close by. Yeah. Near at hand, near in time, near in distance, Mm -hmm. something like that. And that's exactly what it meant. The kingdom of heaven was at hand, and basically he was saying, it's not here, but it's yours if you want it. Okay. And so we're going to find out that his message was to Israel, and he is literally the king offering their kingdom. Wow. So when he said it's at hand, he's kind of like saying, this is what you've been waiting for mm-hmm. if you'll receive it. Okay. Now, we know that they didn't. And Very true. And they ultimately <laughs> crucified him. But he actually was saying the same exact words that John the Baptist the prophet right before Jesus began his ministry, uh, was preaching as well. If we back up to Matthew chapter 3, John's uh, ministry begins, and it says in verse 1, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So repent, the word literally means to change your mind. Mm -hmm. So it was like, Israel, you've, you've been thinking this way, you need to change that because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he meant the same thing. It's nearby. Okay. So he says, For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So John's job was to sort of prepare the way for Jesus to come in and offer the kingdom. And so he was like the prophet. Next episode. But John was sort of like the guy to pave the road. Here's Jesus offering the kingdom. And then this kingdom is something that most people don't realize. It wasn't like this new concept that Jesus had. He didn't show up one day just out of the blue and start preaching about something nobody ever heard of. Yeah. Okay. He was preaching about something that Israel has been looking for. So we're going to go back and look at a few references of Scripture that they could definitely say as a Jewish person in the first century, oh, he's the Messiah because he's offering the kingdom. Mm -hmm. They would have been able to recognize it. So we go to the book of Daniel, and we look at um, Daniel chapter 2, and we can see one instance of this kingdom. And we're not going to get into the whole context of it. We're going to get more into that later in the next episode. But we've talked about the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Yes. And how he saw these different visions of an of a image with the gold and the silver and the mm-hmm. bronze. And uh, Daniel was giving the explanation or the interpretation of the dream. And in verse 44 of chapter 2, he says, And in the days of these kings, which are these four kingdoms of the image, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And he's literally talking about when the Lord comes back, he'll establish his kingdom. He comes from heaven, where he is now, to the earth. And so a lot of Christianity doesn't get that thing accurate like the Jehovah's Witnesses did, because the kingdom of heaven is on the earth. Yes. It comes from heaven to the earth. <clears throat> Too many Christians equate the kingdom of heaven with just heaven, 
And they even get that wrong because they think of heaven as up in the sky somewhere. Yeah. But eventually we've seen that everything unites in the new heaven and the new earth. Mm -hmm. So we, we at least want to give credit where credit's due. And they get it right, they get it right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and therefore, in the days of these kings, he said, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. Well, where is he going to set it up? On the earth. Mm -hmm. He's coming back to the earth. And it's literally the fulfillment of a promise that we're going to go back to in a moment, all the way back to the book of Exodus. But before we leave Daniel... We're going to go to chapter 7 because there's another reference to that kingdom that I want to point out. And that is, and it says, and the kingdom, in verse 27, and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. You know what a dominion is, right? Is that a term you're familiar with, dominion? When I think of the dominion, I think of the very, where rich people live. Does oh, that's in San Antonio. Yeah, that's, that's what that's I think. The too. dominion, that's true. The dominion. It's, it is. It's an area that's for wealthy homeowners, <laughs> for sure. I think even George Strait has a Yeah, I want to say a couple of like the Spurs players have houses <laughs> yeah, there, too. I'm sure they do. So that's, that's automatically what I think of. I'm like, oh, my God, so I get to live there? Yeah. Well, actually, in a sense, you do, because dominion means reign, okay. rule. Okay. So a king has a kingdom. That's his dominion. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the dominion of God is all creation. Excuse me. <clears throat> and when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, he's king of the earth. Mm -hmm. So it says the dominion is going to be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. So the believers in Christ are the administrators. Okay. We're the government. Oh, you know, fancy. yeah, yeah. We'll be the kings and queens <laughs> and whatever, you know. So you may end up actually being a warrior princess. There we go. <laughs> I mean, it just makes sense. It does. It only seems <laughs> And so that everlasting dominion, that word dominion is going to come into play later too because we're going to find out that, and we've discussed this, we touched on it, but we didn't go into any detail like we're going to do this time, that dominion of the earth was given to man. Yes. And that is such a fundamental truth that, that used to always just slip past my mind as the, oh, yeah, yeah, no big deal. But it's a big deal. Yeah, because it, wasn't it given, it given to us and then we gave it to Satan and then Jesus has to come and take it back? In, in an overall sense, that's exactly right. When, it, when we say we, we're talking about humanity. Yes. So when we're going to find out that eventually God's going to show, or the Scripture's going to show us that God gave humanity dominion of the earth, yeah. not the angels, mm -hmm. not Lucifer. We didn't give it to him intentionally. Uh, we're going to find out that what's going on right now in the world very much points to what's happening about dominion. Okay. That there's, a, there's an attempt, and I think I alluded to this when one of the last few episodes we did, there's an attempt by the satanic global elite to gain control of all the property. So when they own the title, they can turn it over to Satan. Okay. So we are giving it to him through ignorance, not because we thought, oh, it's a good deal. Let's do this. <laughs> we don't know that we're doing it, right? And we're going to get into that in more detail. But let's back up to when the kingdom was really offered to the nation Israel. Because ultimately, the kingdom of heaven is going to be uh, Christ as king when he comes back on the earth. And then the nation Israel as his kingdom of priests and then the nations below them. Mm -hmm. So there's a hierarchy, if you will. So why does Israel get to be in that position? Well, it's because of some promises God made to Abraham. But we'll start in Exodus 19, because that's the, that's the point at which God delivered Israel out of bondage in Egypt. 
Yep. When they were, you know, in slavery there for so many years, so many hundreds of years. And they still turned their back on Jesus. And they did, yeah. That's so true. So spiteful. <laughs> that's true. Well, so God called Moses to come up to the mountain uh, in the wilderness, and Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, remember Jacob is Israel before God changed his name, and tell the children of Israel, You've seen what I did unto the Egyptians, well, all the plagues and the uh -huh. stuff, and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. It's figurative of how he delivered them out of their bondage. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Again, laying claim to the title. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So if Israel was given this promise, the offer of the kingdom. You will be a kingdom of priests. Mm -hmm. So there was a priesthood established, a kingdom established, and God was to be the ultimate king. So when Jesus came saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, this is what he's talking about. Oh. They were offered it back here. Yeah. And for 1,500 years, they rebelled against God and fought against him and turned away from him and worshiped other gods. And he sent prophets to correct them and they would straighten up for a while and they would turn back again, you know? What turds. <laughs> they just could never get their act together. So <laughs> after prophet after prophet was sent and they killed or abused or whatever, yeah. finally he sent his son. So now here he is offering the kingdom Ooh. from the horse's mouth. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> They're like, nay, nay, we don't want it. Right. Now, the thing that was the problem and one of the reasons why they said, nay, nay, we don't want it is because the leadership at the time realized that if Jesus was, in fact, the king, their job was in danger. Yeah. Their power. They didn't want to lose. They were the incumbents, right? They didn't <laughs> want to get cast out in the mm -hmm. election, so to speak. So he begins uh, to preach publicly first in the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to cover a whole thing on the Sermon on the Mount at some point, but I want to just dive into one of the passages because it's where he first mentions the kingdom of heaven uh, in, in the sermon. It's chapter 5 of Matthew and verse 3 where we read, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not the rich, not the powerful. Okay. The poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek, us little guys, not the big fancy billionaires, right? Yeah, we're the meek. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So when we saw earlier in Daniel that he said that the people of the saints of the Most High will um, inherit the kingdom, this, this is who we are. The meek, the poor in spirit, the righteous, and all that. So we're taking it back through Jesus Christ from the satanic global elite that have stolen it mm -hmm. and are trying to give it to Satan. So that's what we're going to find out. Now, when Jesus began preaching, his message was to that nation. He wasn't preaching out to any Tom, Dick, and Harry out there. Mm -hmm. Gentiles, right? So he was only preaching to Israel. And in fact, we see that in Matthew chapter 10. And a lot of people overlook this as though 
it, it didn't happen this way. But we have to believe the Bible is true. So we'll start in verse 1 because it's the, the calling of the 12 apostles. Okay. So we get their names. When he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits, which are the devils or demons, <clears throat> to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And that's kind of important to mention because in the, when Christ appeared and was born and began this ministry, there was an explosion of demonic activity. And there was a reason for that. And it's going to happen again when he comes back. There's going to be an explosion of demonic activity. So it's going to be a repeat, you know, nothing new under the sun, right? Very true. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these, and we'll just read the list. The first, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the publican, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus, and Simon, the Canaanite. A lot of mixtures, a lot of doubles, you know. Yeah. And Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just like I was like, and who also betrayed him. Oh, yeah. And by the way, who also betrayed him. <laughs> kind of remind you that he was never a good guy. Yeah. By the way, folks, as we record this, we're both sniffling. Yeah. I can hear my wife sneezing in the background. It's that time of year. Oh, gosh. When it gets cold. It... So just so you'll know, we're doing the best we can. <laughs> but anyway, verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles. Why would he go to Gentiles? They weren't promised the kingdom of heaven. Israel was. Yes. Okay. To the Jews. To the Jews. Okay. Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter you not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And there's a whole thing behind them being lost sheep, but we'll get to that another time. And as you go, preach saying, and here's the message of the 12, and it's going to sound familiar to you now, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yes. So their message was the same thing that John started, the same thing that Jesus started. It's at hand. It would only be at hand to those who are about to receive it. Yes. Okay. And then he says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. So they were given specific power to do these things. Freely you receive, freely give. So that's part of the miraculous signs that was to show that this was real. This was true. But then he also says in verse 9, provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses nor script for your journey. Script would have been their version of what we would call paper money. Okay. Like folding money. Okay. So gold, silver, I mean, how do you travel without money? Yeah. You know, how do you go about doing your job without any resources? I know. I can't go anywhere without my ID. And just to, to see how close our listeners pay attention, why do you suppose that would be? You have to think about this one. Okay. I'm going to let you be the thinking cap for our audience. But why would it have been that he did not want them to carry money or gold or silver or anything while they did this ministry? I'm assuming they, they wouldn't need it. Well, why wouldn't you need it if you were, let's just say, if I sent you on a job, okay, Zena, can you go to the store for me? I need you to pick up some things at H-E-B. You say, sure. Where's your debit card? <laughs> right? Uh -huh. And I say, oh, no, no, you won't need any of that. Well, then you're thinking, what am I supposed to do? Pay for it myself, you know? Yeah. So the reason this was done was because, remember, they were going to be going through the time of tribulation when the Antichrist would appear and require the mark to buy or sell. Right? Okay. So he didn't want them using gold or silver or having it because if they did... There would be the temptation to take the mark of the beast. Okay. He was preparing them for...
for that time. Even though it wouldn't come for 2,000 years, they didn't know that. Oh, okay. Right? Way to foreshadow. Yeah, exactly. And then he says, uh, for the workman is worthy of his meat. So don't carry anything special because I'm sending you on the special mission. And you're restoring Israel. You're bringing them back into the fold. They're lost sheep. And I need my flock back. And I'm going to make them priests and kings with me okay. when I come back. So that's what all this is about. Most of religion just takes these verses and they apply that in some spiritual way instead of letting it mean what it really specifically fulfilled in yeah. the prophets. You know, I totally didn't know what it meant until you explained it. That's all right. That's, <laughs> that's what we're here for. Now, we're going to jump ahead, though, because they began to preach this and they were, they were being effective in their ministry because many people were believing and they were getting baptized and they were joining him in this thing. But the nation as a whole didn't turn. Okay. And they were essentially um, deceived into rejecting him by the leadership. So remember we mentioned John the Baptist, who first began to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is yes. at hand. Well, Jesus makes a very interesting statement in the very next chapter, Matthew 11. And we go to verse 11. He says, they were asking him about John the Baptist because when he called his 12 disciples, you know, even though they didn't carry any money or everything else, you know, Jesus, they would go and they would eat when they had food. Uh, he ate with publicans and sinners. You know, he would sit down and drink with them and eat with them, not to get drunk, but just to show that, hey, I'm the physician for them that are sick. I'm trying to reach the lost. Yeah. Well, John's disciples fasted a lot, so they went without food a lot. And they did things in a more strict sort of religious way. So the 12 were asking him, why does John's disciples fast a lot? And, and we don't. And Jesus had to explain several things about that. But since they brought him up, he says this, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Okay, so John was a great prophet. None were greater than him, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So something about the kingdom of heaven meant that you, if you were the least in the kingdom, in that position, you're better than the greatest man that could be alive in the normal world. Okay. Because the kingdom of heaven is the world to come, as we'll see. But the next verse is the one I'm after. He says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. What was the violence the kingdom of heaven was suffering? If you had to guess. Satan. Yes, absolutely. So you might recall we talked about Lucifer was once a cherub. Yes. On the earth with a kingdom. And while he was called the king of Tyrus in the book of Ezekiel, there's every indication that he was like the top dog. So he probably was, in a sense, a ruler of the earth. Yes. He had dominion, if you will. And then he rebelled, so we know about that. Well, God says, all right, I'll show you. You know, the earth has been around for who knows how long. Billions. I don't know how many years. Yeah. And we don't know how long his reign on the earth was, but when that rebellion happened, chaos ensued, and then we find the world in a mess. So God brings out of that divine judgment, let there be light. And the first day and the second day. And then on the sixth day, he says, let's make man in our image. And he gave him dominion. We'll come back to that. And it's as if to say, I, look, I made you perfect and beautiful cherub, Lucifer. I can take dirt and do better with you than with you, you know. Oh, that's an insult. Yeah, exactly. So he made man. 
red man, red Adam, Adam, red man. And uh, he takes him out of the dirt and he gives him the dominion. Well, Lucifer wants that back. He's been ticked ever since that yeah. he doesn't have that throne anymore. And he wants it back. Well, he should never bailed. He should not have rebelled. That's exactly right. So the kingdom of heaven is suffering violence since John the Baptist because John was the first one to say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the violence began the moment they, the fallen angels and Lucifer realized, oh, he's the one. He's the seed. Let's get him. And, let's, and so they've been trying to get it. And they did. They took the kingdom in a sense in a sense. Um. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. But uh, it brings us back to what was going on in the book of um, Luke, which we're going to get to shortly. But we've talked about this passage many times when Satan said, if you worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Okay, so we're going to come to that in a moment. But before we leave Matthew chapter 12, first we see the kingdom of heaven suffering violence. Then in Matthew 12, Jesus heals a man and he casts a devil out of him. Uh, or, or rather, I think he was a leper and he healed him. But whatever it was, and uh, let's, let's read it to be sure. Uh, verse 22, chapter 12. Then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil. Okay, it was a devil. Blind and dumb. And he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And of course, dumb is meaning you can't speak. And all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? In other words, since this man just performed a miracle of casting a devil out of another man that caused him to not be able to see or speak, isn't this the prophesied Messiah? Isn't he the one that's going to come from the seed of David? But the Pharisees heard it. Remember, they don't believe on him. They're the leaders. And they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. Have you ever heard the name of a devil? No. Beelzebub. Beelzebub. You know what that means? Literally, it's Lord of the Flies. Beelzebub, you know. What a name. I know. And Jesus knew their thoughts. And he said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And which is, by the way, is exactly how Satan works. He divides kingdoms. He divides people against each other like we see today. 
And if Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Because the Pharisees tried to cast out devils. Yeah. But, he says, if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. And if they're rejecting the kingdom of God, now we get in the first time it's mentioned the kingdom of God instead of kingdom of heaven. So we're going we're gonna to take a moment to show that distinction so that as we go forward, we'll get, we'll get the picture. So the kingdom of God encompasses everything that belongs to God. Okay. The kingdom of heaven is the literal kingdom when Christ comes back with his government, his angels, his saints, and we reign on the earth with him. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're like a subset of the kingdom, if you will. Okay. A part of it. Okay. Now, in verse 43 of this same chapter, we find out what he says about these Pharisees. Um, and he, he remember, he was talking about, if I cast out devils by Beelzebub. Well, he says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, like when, when he's cast out, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. Remember, an unclean spirit is a disembodied spirit. So he doesn't have a body, he doesn't have a house to live in. So these dry places is in this spiritual realm, and he's, he doesn't like it. Because remember, they used to be the Nephilim. They were once living, breathing people. Giants, but hybrids, yeah. you know. So now they're disembodied spirits, and they don't like being disembodied, you know. And so they're trying to, they walk around in dry places. They find no rest. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. The house is the body of the man that he used to be in. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. There's degrees of wicked among the devils. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Instead of having one devil, now he's got seven. And then he says... Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. So there's something in that statement that's very important. It's like here he is in Israel and he's offering the kingdom and it's at hand and he's the king. And the Pharisees and the leaders are saying, no, we don't want anything to do with you. This man's not casting out devils by the spirit of God. He's casting out devils by Beelzebub. So it's blasphemy what they're saying. And so he goes on to tell them, look, let me tell you something. (laughs) You think you're bad now. You're a wicked generation. But when I'm done here and you kill me, he didn't tell these these words, but when you crucify me, I'm going to rise from the dead and I'm going to come back. But before I come back, this wicked generation is going to be seven times worse than it is right now. So I believe that this demonic activity in the end times is going to be seven times worse than it was in the time of Jesus Christ. And that's what he was trying to tell us. So this kingdom of heaven suffering violence, we're going to kind of find out, hopefully by the next episode, what's going on today to bring it all to fruition so that the violent take it by force. But included in that time is going to be an explosion of demonic activity and fallen angels interacting with men that's going to make the time of Jesus look like kindergarten. Oh. Yeah, so that's what's coming, folks, and, and people don't see it. You know, there's a lot of, um, the term is cognitive dissonance, mm-hmm. which means I, I can see what's going on around me, but I can't accept the reality of what's happening. It's too fantastic for me to even 
accept in my mind. You know? Too fantastic. Yeah. I don't mean that in a good way. <laughs> because fanta fantasy means imaginary, like it's not real. So when we say something is fantastic, it's like we're saying that's not real. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. But we, it's slang now for that's a good thing. Yeah, I'm like, that's fantastic. Now, really, here's what's really interesting. So up to this point in time, Jesus begins the ministry saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is in hand. And it's a very clear message. Mm -hmm. It's to Israel only, not for Gentiles. The Jews knew what he was offering because they'd been waiting for it since Exodus 19. Yeah. And they know it's part of prophecy. They know it's part of the scriptures that they've been waiting for. And little by little, they're reaching the masses and Satan through his wicked generation of the leaders of Israel is turning them against Christ. So when they accuse him of casting out devils by Beelzebub, that was a turning point in Jesus's ministry because from that point forward, he stopped preaching openly. Mm -hmm. He didn't say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand anymore. He began to preach in a, a style called parables. You've heard of that. Yes, isn't okay. it like he was singing or? <clears throat> like stories. Okay. Almost. Poetic little stories. So if you could put it to music, it would be a song, right? But the parable was really designed to be, uh, to hide the meaning. And we're going to read it. Why? In verse 1 of chapter 13. The same day that he was accused of Beelzebub, went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, which is almost a picture of leaving Israel and going to the masses. Okay. You know, uh, the house of Israel and the seaside of humanity. Even though he's not literally reaching out to Gentiles yet, but it's, it's sort of like now he went to his own and his own wouldn't receive him. So now he's preaching it, but it's in encrypted form. It's now in a mystery form. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore, and he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And I'm not going to read the whole parable because most people are familiar with the yeah. seeds and all that kind of stuff. But I just want to get you to the point where we see that he tells a parable. And when he finishes, verse 10 is very important. It says, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? As if to say, you've never done this before. Yeah. Why are you now talking in parables? And he answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you, the 12, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But unto them, the ones who don't believe, yes. it is not given. So the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, now it's in mystery form. Mm -hmm. So something happened. That turning point was the nation's not going to receive me. The leaders are turning them against me. They've accused, they've blasphemed. So the mystery, and he told a lot of parables from that point forward about the kingdom of heaven. Do you think he spoke in parables <coughs> also because of Judith? Judas? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily. Judas, he always knew Judas would betray him. So even if Judas had been, you know, uh, a good guy, which he wasn't, but even if he'd been a good disciple, the nation still would have turned against him. Okay. Through the leadership. And that's what's happening everywhere. The leadership are directing nations against God, even as we speak. So it's it's all going to come to fruition at some point. But we're just seeing the picture here in Scripture so it can give us insight into what's happening now. Okay. <clears throat> so here's what we've learned. The kingdom of heaven is on the earth. Mm -hmm. 
It comes down from heaven when the Lord returns. That's why it's called the kingdom of heaven. It was promised to and rejected by Israel. And it's been taken by force or being taken by force through Satan and his operatives. Mm -hmm. And it's now in mystery form. Dun, dun, dun. So since Satan likes to duplicate everything God does, he has a mystery form too. So think about it. God has a city, New Jerusalem. Satan has a city, Mystery Babylon. I was going to say Babylon. Yeah, I'm sorry. I <laughs> you know, Christ has a church. Satan has a synagogue. Mm -hmm. It's literally called the synagogue of Satan. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, in the book of Revelation. Um, Christ has believers and followers. Satan has believers and worshipers. Bad idea, guys. Yeah, bad idea. very bad. And then, of course, Jesus Christ is the only begotten son of God. Lucifer will have a son who is the Antichrist. Yep. He'll be the one to come along. So when we put all that together, here's a little image that our listeners can't see, but this is just for the benefit of you and I. It's simply a circle, which is the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And there's two little subsets in there. There's the heavens where God is right now and Christ is at his throne. And then there's the earth below and they're all within the kingdom of God. So eventually there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Yes. All part of the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of heaven is the portion of the kingdom of God that will be on the earth when Christ comes back to reign. Mm -hmm. So it's really that simple. It's just a simple diagram to show it and, and to get people to stop thinking of the kingdom of heaven or heaven it itself as some mystical, you know, shrouded in clouds type yeah. thing. It is a physical, tangible thing in a place. And I know that because he told one of the disciples, I'm going to give you the keys to it. You don't get keys to something unless there's a door to unlock. Very true. Right? So let's look at that in Matthew 16. And this is a, another important point because of what happened when the statement was made. In Matthew 16, verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, a city in Israel, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? You know, with all the signs and wonders that he was doing and the miracles, it should have been clear. Because remember, one of them said, is not this the son of David? Yes. Now there's doubt about it because of the satanic global elite of the time. Mm -hmm. So who do men say that I am? And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist, who's now dead at this point. Some Elijah and others Jeremiah are one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Okay, that's what men say, but what do you 12 think? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, he got it right. But that was because the Lord gave him those words to say from heaven. So this was like a sign for all of them to see. And Christ, Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. So this didn't just pop into your mind because you thought of it. This is God telling you the truth. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. His name was Simon, so he changes it to Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the rock is the confession that he just made. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter's not the rock. Jesus is the rock. So he's saying, you're Peter. And upon the statement that you made, that's the foundation of my church, that I'm the Christ, the son of the living God. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we talked about the gates in hell, right? Mm -hmm. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So there's no mistaking the connection between the kingdom of heaven to the earth. 
and the rain there. Now, to wrap up this segment today, uh, they were asking him in chapter 18, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So they're thinking of it as a tangible thing where they're going to reign. So, I mean, it's natural for them to think, well, who's going to be the top dog? Yeah. You know, who among us? Right? <laughs> so, let, again, yeah, they, they kind of were. They were sort of, uh, I don't know if they were <laughs> fighting or squabbling, but that's the question they were asking. So Matthew 18, verse 1, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And, Jesus, and he'd already told them the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist, right? Yeah. So Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted to become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, what is it about a child? They're pure. They're pure. Uh, and, and more importantly, they're totally dependent upon the parents. Yes. Because a child can't go work a job. Or drive a car, or mm -hmm. make a living, you know. <laughs> and, and we're talking a little child. I mean, so now we have YouTube; they can make a living. <laughs> well, that's true, but we're talking about like he says a little child. So I'm assuming he was very young, like maybe like three, a toddler, like three or four, yeah, perhaps. They can make YouTube channels too. Yeah. So he says, "Whosoever there shall well, they didn't have YouTube back there. <laughs> Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So the humility, the meekness, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea." You know, so to turn away a child from God is a major, major offense, you know, because a child shows the heart of a child of the kingdom, mm -hmm. that pureness, that innocence, that total dependence on the father, always looking, you know, to the, to the father. So um, we see in that a picture of the reality of a physical, tangible kingdom with a relationship between the father and the child. Mm -hmm. you know? Now, Go to chapter 23 of Matthew. <laughs> Are you turning with me? <laughs> That's awesome. In verse 13. I've already beat him. You, she got there way before me. So <laughs> I need to do more sword drills, right? That's very true. So um, the entire chapter is about that satanic global elite, which was the religious leaders of Israel, the Pharisees. And he, the whole thing is, woe unto you, woe unto you. He calls them scribes. Uh, I mean, he calls them hypocrites and vipers and everything. But he says in verse 13, but woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. So then they're trying to hinder men from going into the kingdom because they wanted to keep it for their father, their God, Lucifer. And that's the problem. That was the thing. So we know what happened. They eventually, Judas betrayed him. Mm -hmm. He was crucified. But he rose again the third day. They thought they were killing the king and that they would gain control of the kingdom. He raises, is raised from the dead the third day, and he ascends up to the father. And then before he left, he said, before I come back, times are going to get really bad. <clears throat> there's going to be great tribulation such as the world has never seen. And in chapter 24 of Matthew, he was telling the disciples about that time. And in verse 14, he says, 
and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached unto all nations uh, in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So the end comes when he returns. It's the end of the world, and he comes back. And he brings the kingdom. Mm -hmm. He brings the kingdom of heaven. But it's interesting. He said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world until the end comes. What was the message of the gospel of the kingdom? It was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right? When they crucified him, the king went on exile. He returned back to the Father. It was no longer at hand. And you can't find any passages in the Bible after Jesus rose from the dead where anybody preached and said it was at hand. Again, they preached Christ died, was buried and raised again, but they didn't preach the kingdom is at hand anymore, which means it was no longer at hand. It was taken by force. The violent took it. And now it's like a usurpation of the throne. It's in the hands of somebody else than mm -hmm. the rightful heir. The real king, he's back in heaven. He's coming back. But he says the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world and then shall the end come. So that means it's going to be preached again at some point because the gospel is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, it's not going to be at hand again until it's right before Christ comes back. Yeah. So I would say they won't preach that message again until the beginning of the seven years of tribulation. Okay. Because the message we're preaching right now for salvation is not the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm -hmm. The message is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's an inclusive message, you know. But when he does come back, Christ begins his return to the earth. And at some point, we've talked about how Satan and his angels are going to be cast out of heaven. Yes. All right. Let's look at that before we wrap up tonight in Revelation 13, uh, 12, Revelation 12. And verse 7, and there was war in heaven. I believe it's going to be in the middle of the seven years. Okay. It, it could start before that, but it seems to be right there. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. And that's what I mean by the explosion of demonic activity, seven times worse. All of those guys, they weren't confined to the earth at that time when Jesus was here, but they will be here. Okay. All right? And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before a God day and night. The accuser is Satan. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Ooh. Like literally three and a half years left before he's going to be bound in that chain and cast into the bottomless pit. <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, oh, you know what? My screen just jumped up so big for some reason here. Oh, well, it's too late to correct it now. <laughs> there. I, we had a nice little view going, and then it just... <laughs> so the, when Satan comes back, of course, or when this battle takes place and he's cast out of heaven, he says, now has come the kingdom of our God. The heavens will be cleansed. Okay. And they'll be limited to the earth. And then that's when he's going to make that final attempt to keep control of the earth. 
and so without going to all the scripture references to save a little bit of time because we need to wrap up, Revelation 20 says that during this, uh, when the Lord comes back, Satan's bound with a chain and those saints are going to live and reign with Christ a thousand years. That's the realization of the kingdom of heaven. Okay. That's when the, the children of the Most High possess the kingdom and take it forever and ever. And so that's going to be fulfilled there. Uh, and then remember, we're going to, I'm going to tease you with a little bit of uh, something to, we're going to talk about next episode, that remember that Abraham looked for a city that's going to come down at the end of that thousand years. Okay. Okay. And so there's, there's a promise of a new heaven and a new earth in Revelation 21. And the first heaven, the first earth will be passed away and there's no more sea. And then the city comes down. Yeah, so, sea of glass. So the kingdom of heaven is literally on the earth for a thousand years, preparing the world for the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem. Yes. And when that all comes down, then there's going to be no more Satan or anything else. But what we're going to find out next week is how is the violent, what are the violent doing? Because I, I'm, going to, I'm going to frame it to give too much away if I say this, but they almost had it. They almost had the kingdom before Christ came the first time. Okay. They're almost going to have it before he comes the second time. And we're going to talk about the logistics of that next time. It's really cool. It's okay. really interesting. So we'll stop here so that I don't just overload you with too much. And I want to <laughs> thank you, Zena, as always, for being here. Thanks for having me on, Nasley. Yeah, I'm a little uh, scratchy in my throat, too. So <laughs> we're both going to go, uh, you know, blow our noses and yes, take some cold medicine sure. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. But listen, folks, thanks again. Remember, you can uh, access all the data and information and, and more some at utbnow.com. But don't forget that this episode and all of our Bible Mysteries episodes is available through any podcast app and on YouTube Bible Mysteries. You can go see the video so you can see Zena in person. That's me. That's right. <laughs> As always, guys, thank you so much for watching. Subscribe, like, and share, and leave a comment down below something new that you've learned, or leave us a comment if there's a topic that you would like us to specifically go over. Thanks for always joining us every week. We yep. appreciate you. We do. Thirty, Almost 38,000. Wowzers. Thanks, guys. So thanks for your support. Thank you for your donations. Yes. And for your prayers. So until next time, we'll see you. Ciao. Ciao. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.